beautiful, hot summer's day here in Melbourne. It was a great day for AFLW Grand Final Day on Sunday, and we saw a cracking game between Brisbane and North Melbourne. So every Tuesday with Jared, Sarah, Ollie's been a big part of the show discussing AFLW. Then on the Tuesday after the grand final, we, we look back at the grand final. We just sum up the season and look what's ahead for next season as well. And Sarah Ollie from AFL.com.au joins me. Hello, Sarah. Good morning, Jules. Nice to hear your voice. Nice to hear yours as well. A very important question before we get underway. You love your music. Uh, Foo Fighters, yes or no? Oh, I don't want to pe- put people offside, but I'm not the biggest Foo Fighters fan, I've got to say, but I... See that they did a pretty good job last night. Where do you sit? No, nah, overrated. Completely overrated, Foo Fighters. <laughs> that's okay. I'm getting some interesting feedback. Some saying yes, some saying you're off your rocker, but that's okay. Hey, let's go back uh, to Sunday, uh, Sarah. So Brisbane Lions are the Premiers. They've, they've always been a good side, but uh, given the players that they lost and some of the shock defeats they had during the season, it was uh, it was far from a smooth ride to the Premiership for the Lions this year. Oh, well, I mean... Pre-season, Jules, everyone had pretty much written the Lions off because, as you alluded to, they lost M. Bates, Greta Bodie and Jesse Wardlaw. So a league best and fairest and All-Australian and their leading goal kicker from the season prior. So three key cogs in Craig Stasevich's team. They also had a bit of a, a funny year because whilst they didn't lose to a finalist side, they lost to St Kilda, Collingwood and Richmond. So these are teams that they should be beating. So... It was a bit of an inconsistent year, but they always turned up against the big best teams. And we saw that again on the weekend because I thought the Roos were probably three quarters, Jules, were the better side. They were leading by seven points at three-quarter time. But in the end, four unanswered goals in the final term was a difference. And in fact, the Lions are the first AFLW side to be trailing at three-quarter time in a grand final and win. So a really significant performance. It's their second flag from five grand final performances. So if you look up consistency in the dictionary, you're going to see a side of uh, a photo, I should say, of Craig Stasevich's side. They are just always there at the pointy end of the season. So congratulations to them. I don't think North will lose any friends, though. It was... Oh, I was there and it was an amazing grand final. The vibe was fantastic at Icon Park. And I think it just shows, again, the evolution of the game. It's getting better every season. It must hurt North, though, Sarah, even though all the things you say there are right. I mean, that you know, big parts of the game, they, they, you know, statistically, they were on top. They had the lead going into the last quarter. As Darren Crocker said afterwards, it, it was right there. It was there for the taking. But... What do you think happened to them in the last quarter? They they looked tired. Was it, you know, the the early injury to Jenna Bruton? How much of an impact did mm. that have? They just they just looked like they were running in concrete in that last quarter. Yeah, well, I think you hit the nail on the head there when it comes to Jenna Bruton. So she was taken out of the game in the opening three minutes with an Achilles injury, and while she might not be the Jazz Garner to the Ruse team, she does so much work in that engine room, particularly defensively and in fact in the prelim the week prior she was the player that turned the game on its head for the kangaroos so she was a serious loss early in the game they were down a rotation you say the roos slowed down perhaps they did i think though the lions though are the fittest team in the competition and i'm not sure if you saw jules but on the siren a jerry can yes brought out in the middle (laughs) of the ground and 
this has kind of been their, their brand, their ethos throughout the season. They did a pre-season camp, kind of like an army-style camp, where they had to carry these jerry cans. And they really pride themselves on their resilience, their fitness, their ability to train really hard. And I think that came to the fore on Sunday at Icon Park because they were able to run out the game, kick four unanswered goals in the final term. And really, that's where the game was won and lost. As for the Russo, I think they still have to take so much from this season because all season, Jared and I had been speaking about their inability to match it with the big three in terms of Melbourne, Adelaide and Brisbane. And while they still haven't beat the Lions yet, en route to the grand final, they beat Melbourne and they beat Adelaide. So they're taking some huge steps this season and I think there's plenty to work on moving forward for Darren Crocker's side. Speaking of Sarah Ollie, AFL.com.au we're wrapping up the AFLW Grand Final and the season and just looking ahead to some of the major things that will happen in the off-season. Uh, Craig Sarsvich, great coach. He's a great spokesperson for AFLW as well. How significant though, when we look back at the Grand Final, was his decision to move Bree Conan into the middle in the second half of that game? Yeah, well, this is something that he has been doing all season, Craig Stasevich, with his captain, who, Brie Conan, is pretty unassuming. She's a pretty unheralded type, but she was sensational in the first half in defence, I think nine intercept possessions. But at halftime, Craig Stasevich needed to make the move because they were just getting dominated around the centre. I think clearances were about 22 to 8. So he moved Brie, his skipper, into the middle and she just made the likes of Jazzy Garner, Mia King, a little bit more accountable. She ends up with 19 disposals, 11 tackles, and essentially the goal that sealed the match. Best on ground performance. And, I mean, she's come full circle because this time last year, she was making the loser's speech after her side was knocked off by four points to the Demons. So a sensational move by Craig Stasevich, but one that he had trialled throughout the season, I guess one that he had to try after uh, he lost the likes of M. Bates and Greta Bodie. And indeed, in the grand final, Kathy Spark hurt her knee. So it was kind of out of necessity, but my word, wasn't it a sensational move? Yeah, brilliant move and uh, significant in the end result. Now, we, you know, say in football sometimes, it might not be your day, but it can be your moment. And that sort of was... The case for Dakota Davidson, who was the big story during the week in terms of her fitness, and she was on Sports Day a couple of weeks ago with Jared and Kane. Fantastic interview. Seems like a great character. Uh, but her performance in that last quarter, uh, it was it went a long way to getting them over the line. How Do we know how close she was to potentially not playing in this game, given that knee injury the week before? Well, I think as soon as she was cleared from it not being an ACL, in her mind, there was never any chance that she would not be playing. So it was strapped up. She was running on adrenaline. But as you say, for the first three quarters, she didn't do too much. And she can get frustrated, Dakota, when things don't go her way because she is used to being that focal point to clunking marks early in a game and indeed getting on the scoreboard. So it perhaps wasn't her match, but my word, she had her moments. And they came with the first two goals in the final term, a big contested mark, and also a little bit of carry-on, I have got to say, after the first goal, which really (laughs) got her side up and about, because that's just what she is, Dakota. She can really get under the skin of opposition teams. But for Brisbane, she is such a barometer, and I just thought her ability to play 
through that knee injury. I mean, those final term heroics, they're going to go down in folklore when it comes to Brisbane winning their second flag. No, she was sensational. And what under the Brisbane Lions taking out the premiership? It was a great final series, a bit like the, the men's competition. So many close finals and some upsets yeah. as well. So it was a great final series uh, in general. Uh, it's, it seems a weird question to ask, Sarah, but do we know or do, do we know when to expect next season to start, what the dates will be? Well, nothing's locked in as of yet. The thing we do know is that there'll be an extra home and away game. So I'm just not sure when this is going to fall because, of course, lately we've had the season starting in the bye between the men's home and away and finals. So with the next round, I'm not really sure how that works, Jules. So there's still a little bit of uncertainty as to when this season will start, but it will be one week longer. There's plenty going on in the in the coaching ranks. We've got four clubs at the moment looking for coaches. Collingwood, uh, West Coast is really interesting because um, Danny Laidley has been linked to the job. Uh, there was a report late last week that uh, the Eagles are going to have a real crack at Daisy Pierce for that senior mm. coaching job. We've got uh, we've got the Hawks as well and the Dogs, of course, that uh, parted ways with Nathan Burke. Um, you've got if you've got some names for us that might bob up in conversation. Got one here off the the Forty Wings Temper saying, uh, "Can we ask you whether Daniel Webster, Lions AFLW oh, midfield coach, yeah. is a chance to end up at Hawthorne?" I've also heard perhaps a chance to end up at West Coast. So that is certainly a name that is being bandied about and held in very high regard from the Brisbane program indeed. But as you say, four coaches are looking for someone new to lead the way. And I think that also shows that the standards are getting higher. The stakes are getting larger season on season. I mean, some other names are Trent Cooper, formerly at the Jockers coach. Jane Land, who was previously a Melbourne assistant and from the Darabin Falcons, is held in really high regard. As is Mel Hickey, who's been full-time at the Geelong Falcons this year. Martin Pierman is someone else who's in contention for the job at West Coast. Uh, so there's plenty of names being bandied about. Colin McMillan, she's at Collingwood. Uh, Daniel Harford, formerly the Blues coach, perhaps half could be lured back. Uh, so there's four vacancies. And on top of that, Lauren Arnell, the Port Adelaide coach, uh, she's about to have a baby. Yeah. So Sam Virgo is stepping in in the interim to fill in Arnell's shoes. Of the vacancies, if you're a prospective coach out there, which, mm. which list would you excite you the most out of the Pies, the Eagles, the Hawks and the Dogs? That's a really good question, Jules. I mean, the Dogs and the Eagles are coming off some pretty tough and trying seasons, but the Eagles actually have a lot of young talent. So perhaps if you were willing to stick it out for a little bit, they could be an exciting list to build. I think as well, though, the lure of coaching Collingwood is is huge, and I can see how that would be uh, a job that many candidates would have their eyes on. What about player movement, Sarah? It's always big in AFLW, and we saw, you know, we've mentioned already the, the three stars that Brisbane lost in the offseason. They covered them really well. We saw the impact of, you know, Chloe Malloy going to the Sydney Swans this year. We're expecting a lot of movement again in the offseason. I think so. For those playing at home, the trade period begins this Thursday, December 7, and runs for a week until Thursday, December 14. And the club that I am most interested in, Jules, is Melbourne. Yes. This time last year, they didn't lose any player throughout the trade period, which was highly unusual, but they just won a flag. But what we're learning is that perhaps 
some players are looking a little bit more gettable. One of my colleagues, Riley Beveridge, has reported that Hawthorne are very keen on Libby Birch, yeah. and they're also keen on her teammates, Casey Sheriff and Eliza West. And the Gold Coast Suns, they're chasing Charlotte Wilson. So they're four Ds who could be on the move. Um, Yasmin Dersma, who, of course, is from the Dersma family, yes. Xavier and uh, Zane's sister, she looks to be on the move to a Melbourne club, Carlton, I think, in the box seat there. The dogs are chasing the Swans All-Australian ruck, Ali Morford, but the dogs are also going to lose, we think, to Fremantle, a former number one pick in Gabby Newton. And then there's also giant star Elise Parker. She's got interest from a number of Victorian clubs. She is a star for them and has been for many years in a team that has not really had that much success. So she could also be on the move. So will it be busy, Jules? I think it will be. Sounds very busy. Uh, well done to Mon Conti again last night. Another best and fairest. Oh, I know. Just every oh. year she's been at Richmond, she's won it. She won one at the Dogs. We know she's an un- unbelievable player. Just w- uh, one before I let you go. Can you give us a – you do your rankings and, you know, your top players in the competition. Can you just give us a couple of players you think might emerge and, and take that next step in the next season of AFLW? Yeah, I really like an Essendon forward by the name of Amber Clark. She's a total – Live wire, and I think maybe just with another preseason under her belt, she could really explode. I love the season this year from Keely Skepper at Carlton. She was a really tough and under midfielder who um, did a lot of negating roles, but I think she's certainly one to watch for the future. Sophia Hurley at Sydney continues to get better every year, and Dali Friswell at Geelong, just a 19 year old winger, I think she's also one to watch. Yeah, plenty of young talent emerging. You just put your feet up now, Sarah. The season's over. Got a bit of a break? <laughs> uh, yes, I'll be heading to WA in the new year, Jules. So looking forward to that. Beautiful. Enjoy on behalf of Jared and Ross. Thanks for all your work with AFLW no over worries. the season. We look forward to catching up soon. Thanks, Jules.